Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we have Nick Perry with Want to Sell Now, and he flew in from Austin to share how he went from dead broke to multi-million dollar wholesaler. Um, and a big part of it we're gonna talk about is how to hire the right people for the right seats. If this is your first time tuning in, I am Steve Trang, broker and owner of Stunning Homes Realty, founder of the OfferFast Homes app, the only MLS for off-market wholesale properties, and I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. So if you want to do that, Let's connect on Instagram at steve.trang. If you're excited for today's show, please give me a wave, give me a thumbs up. And as a friendly reminder, I don't charge a dime for their show. I don't make any money doing this. So here's all I ask. This is what it costs for you to listen to this show. I've been advised by a consultant that I need to get the 500 five-star reviews in iTunes to hit some of my crazy goals. So please do me a favor, go into iTunes, subscribe, and give a five-star review. If you could write what you like about the show, that would be even better. And this is a live show, so please ask your questions for Nick to answer. You ready? I'm ready. All right. So first question is, what got you into real estate? Oh, man, that's a, that's a long question, but I'm going to make it real quick for you. So I grew up in Northern Virginia, and, um, you know, when I was living there, I lived there until I was 24 years old. 2014, my uh, job really started slowing down. I was doing outside sales, selling franchises, and that started to slow down. Franchises of? Frozen yogurt. So if you remember the frozen yogurt craze, like 2011 oh, yeah, yeah. to 2014, Bro, I was the guy that would sell you a franchise. Yeah. So when that craze died off, um, yeah, my job was slowing down. My lease was coming up to an end of Virginia, and I had, you know, like five grand saved in my name. And I said, well, I can get another job here, or I can um, and sign another lease, or I can just, you know, take my things and move. And so I put everything in the back of my car and drove down to Austin, Texas with no, uh, with no job, no, uh, no real money. I had five grand, you know, how fast five grand goes in this world. Oh yeah. And, um, you know, on the drive down, I said, well, what am I going to do? I, you know, it's kind of a fresh start. So, you know, I was like, well, where's the, where's the money at? Right. It's going to be in technology, uh, or real estate or oil. Cause I was moving to Texas. I was like, well, I probably missed the boat on oil. Uh, I don't have any like stellar ideas for a great app. And so <laughs> real estate it was. So when I landed in Austin, uh, you know, got into, got my internet at my one bedroom apartment there in the hood and uh, started watching YouTube videos. So are there hoods in Austin? Not really anymore. When I got there, it was still kind of sketchy yeah. in the, in the part of town I was living in. Gotcha. So this is 2014, 2014 when you decided to take a leap. Yep. All right. So when well, talk about how you got to your first deal. Yeah, um, you know, you know, after you know, consuming a ton of content on mm-hmm. YouTube, I started taking action, handwriting mailers, you know, handwriting bandit signs, going and putting them out, running out of money real quick. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I would go on a p- seller appointments. Uh, you know, rejection after rejection after rejection. Basically, went you know flat broke. By the grace of God, I was able to get a job at Indeed.com, mm-hmm. which was able to tide me over mm-hmm. through my first deal. So I didn't get my first deal. It took me 11 months yeah. from the time I started. And this was not like a part-time effort. I mean, I was going going hard at really? it for 11 months. And yeah. I remember walking down the street one day, I was actually at my lunch break uh, you know, from, my, from my nine to five job. And one of the sellers I went on to an appointment with like eight months back said, hey, uh, we'd like to move forward on your, you know, with your, with your offer. It was an inherited house. And I yeah. said, all right, great. So uh, it was like basically a tear down out in the country, mm-hmm. but uh, we got it at such a great price. I think we contracted it for $18,000 and uh, sold it for $30,000. So nice. made, made 12,000. And uh, because I was doing really well at indeed.com, uh, I had, uh, you know, plenty of money coming in. 
and uh, took all that 12 grand and put it right back into marketing. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's really what helped snowball, you know, deal two, three, four, and, and so on. Gotcha, so you were doing franchise sales for frozen yogurt. Correct. Um, I imagine you had some sales training. I did. For that. How did that translate into meeting the sellers inside their houses? Oh, it's huge. I mean, if you don't know how to talk to people mm -hmm. and you don't know how to sell, you know, good luck doing anything in this world, right? Yeah. You're gonna have to have some sort of social you know, skills, especially when you're dealing with the public. And in this business, you're dealing with a highly emotional sale. You know, with, with the franchise sales, you know, we're dealing with people making large investments into opening up a franchise. Mm -hmm. In real estate, we're dealing with people making large decisions on selling, you know, a lot of times, the largest purchase of their life. So, yeah. um, you know, that translated huge into, into real estate. So when you were selling franchises, you were selling them, I mean, what kind of, like, typically what I hear from most franchises, 25,000 to like 150,000. Right. So someone trying to buy into frozen yogurt, what, what are they paying out of pocket? Uh, so, you know, the franchise costs all in, you're at, at minimum, like 250,000. Wow. Yeah, it depends on the store location and where you yeah. want to be, but most likely you're going to be in the threes. So you're three, selling someone already a product that's a couple hundred grand. Correct. So that's pretty comparable then. Exactly. When you yeah. move into real estate. Yeah. Where I really, really picked the uh, best skills up though, mm -hmm. was when I started doing inside sales at Indeed. So gotcha. Indeed runs a top, you know, world-class top like sales organization. Yeah, and they do, you know, Carnegie, you know, Dale Carnegie training. Mm -hmm. um, it's like Wolf of Wall Street, inside sales, banging the phones all day. And that's where I really cut my teeth and got the bulk of my sales experience. Gotcha, okay, so 2014, you left. About a year later, you got your first deal. So that's like 2015. Correct. Right. So 2016 is probably your real year, first year, or when did you quit Indeed? Uh, late 2006, I think, no, actually, uh, I waited till uh, April of 2017, because that's when I was getting my bonus, so. <laughs> but I was checked out long before then. Yeah. Okay, so 2016, what kind of volume were you doing? Uh, 2016, you know, I was doing two or three deals a month. Okay. Um, still working full time. As a side hustle. Yeah, I mean, I didn't treat it as a side hustle, um, you know, I basically I spent all my time outside of Indeed, mm -hmm. all my nights, all my weekends on real estate. I didn't really take a, a break, you know, because my whole goal was to get out of there as fast as I could. So yeah. I knew every second I could invest into my business, the faster I get out of you know the corporate world. Gotcha. And there's a lot of people right now, right, that are kind of trying to transition from working a job into getting into wholesaling. So what were some of the things like that were you were looking at? to help you make the transition? Were you looking for a certain amount of deals per month, certain amount of net per month? What were your, or a certain amount in your bank account, what were your goals to, to, to quit? Yeah, I wanted 60,000 liquid in my bank account, which is not not a lot of money, but back then that's where my living expenses were. Mm -hmm. I knew that could carry my you know, marketing costs at the time and my living expenses for like 90 days. Yeah. And I said, if I give myself a 90 day runway, 60 grand will do it, mm -hmm. then I'm gonna be okay. You know, gotcha. I'll bank on myself. I know I can make some stuff happen in 90 days. All right, cool. So when you were making that transition, what were your best ways of getting deals at that time? Uh, it's always been PPC for me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 2014, I said one of the best investments I made was I uh, I invested right into Dan Barrett. Mm -hmm. Like he was, if you guys know, um, you know him, he's a you know, big PPC guy. And he taught me everything he knows on PPC. I actually went and met him up in Connecticut yeah. when I was on a work trip for Indeed. I, I skirted out of work early <laughs> and drove up you know, to Middletown, Connecticut, where he lives. Yeah. And uh, he really helped me get going and learning how PPC works. And Indeed's a PPC company, too. Mm -hmm. So uh, you know, I really 
dug in deep on that early and that's paid off for me yeah even to this day so for guys that are listening they don't know what ppc is you want to elaborate what that is yeah pay-per-click advertising so all the major search engines out there you can pay to be at the top of the search results mm-hmm. so anytime somebody you know searches for a term say we buy houses sell my house fast whatever uh, you can bid to be in those top spots for that premium visibility so you have a much higher chance at getting a click on that uh on that on your link rather than it being like you know however many pages back in the organic search results right okay and you're still leveraging pay-per-click today oh yeah that's our that's my biggest biggest way we get deals man that's tough like so i was doing pay-per-click from 2012 until last year until it became like 45 dollars a click then i was like i cannot afford to do this anymore so props to you for still doing that um so one of the things I, I found really interesting when you uh, I watched you speak at, in Houston at Whole Scaling Life, incredible presentation. Thank you. One of the things you talked about was hiring on autopilot. Uh, can you talk about how your experience at Indeed helped you basically get two or three, four interviews a day? Yeah. Well, my whole job at Indeed was talking to you know large eight large companies that had you know. HR departments. So mm-hmm. I'm talking to VPs of HR, you know, um, large, large HR uh, corporations and studying their hiring funnel and how they actually get people into these Fortune 500 companies. And so really they treat it just like we treat seller leads. Mm-hmm. It's how many leads can we get into the top of the funnel? How, can, how quickly can we qualify those leads? Then, you know, once they're qualified, get them in through the interview process and get them to the hire. Yeah. So. I really resonated with that and took a lot of not only the knowledge that I got from talking to these companies, but also the knowledge on the back end from learning how Indeed actually worked. Mm-hmm. So, with those two skill sets, it's you know parlayed well into being able to hire very effectively for for my business. Uh, so, you know, I remember the presentation. One of the things that uh, people don't realize because you said how much this translates to our world too, right? So we know our KPIs, and we know if we talk to this many homeowners. We're going to get this many appointments. We're going to get this many contracts. We're going to get this many closings. Correct. And it's the same exact thing mm-hmm. in recruiting. You want to talk about that? Yeah. I mean, use a candidate that applies for one of your jobs like a lead, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. How many candidates does it take to get a qualified interview, right? Mm-hmm. So you have leads to interviews or candidates to interviews. And then from those interviews, how many interviews does it take to get a hire? Right. Right. So it's the same exact KPIs as we use on you know, the acquisition side of our business. And then from the hire, how many actually stay? <laughs> uh, ours, we uh, very fortunate. We've actually never had anybody quit. Really? We've only fired people. So yeah, when they come in, they they tend to stay. So we've been blessed with you know hiring good people. That's cool. How do you get people to stay? Because I know that's one of the big fears for a lot of wholesalers. Like, man, this guy's going to come in. He's going to learn everything about my business. He's going to compete against me. Well, how do you allay that fear? You know, your um, your vision and your dream has to be big enough for everybody else's to fit with inside of it. Yeah, that's the number one thing. So if they come into your business and then they want to offshoot and do their own thing, obviously you're not providing them enough opportunity to come into your organization and make a nice living for themselves. Yeah. So they didn't come in and apply for the business to to go and do their own thing necessarily. 
And also we make them sign non-competes, non-disclosures. Mm-hmm. So they're locked in for two years or they're, you know, we're going to like, I will enforce a non-compete mm-hmm. if I had to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And now you're based in Austin, mm-hmm. but you were saying off camera, you do like four deals a year in Austin. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so what does your business look like? So we are nationwide. Mm-hmm. So when I mean nationwide, anything that's in a, a major metropolitan area or suburb or basically anywhere there's a sustainable population where we can find buyers, we're doing deals there. Yeah. So we we target nationally. So the United States of America is our is our market. <laughs> it's a target market. Yeah, that's our that's our market, um, and it's essentially an inside sales organization. Mm-hmm. Organization. So we have leads come into the business, our acquisition reps are speaking with those leads all over the nation. You know, with the data that we have now, we're so blessed because, you know, with, you know, PropStream and Zillow sold, like we can comp anything anywhere. So yeah. the fact that there's no real reason that I can see in my mind why we need to be geographically limited mm-hmm. to one area. Yeah. And, you know, we've built out processes and systems on the back end to get those uh, deals sold, to get pictures, to deal with showings, all of that. So, you know, my guys that are, you know, that work with us, you know, they've never seen a house and they've done deals all over the country. So target market is the United States, but how many like metropolitan areas are you uh, guys in? So, you know, there's 3,300 counties in the United States. I didn't and, know that. Yeah. But it's good to know. Yeah. 3,300 counties in the United States and really 250, maybe 275 of them are the only ones that have like a sustainable population. Like mm-hmm. the rest of them are like rural or like super tertiary markets that mm-hmm. we won't touch. So yeah. it's really, you know, the top 250 to 300 counties in the U.S. Right. Yeah. And you're marketing in all those counties? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So then your ad spend's got to be pretty crazy to compete in that many markets. Um, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, we spend quite a bit, you know, on pay-per-click, pay spend like 30000 a month on uh, PPC. Yeah. Um, you know, you got to remember my campaigns, I've been running them since 2014. So mm-hmm. they were fine. And, you know, I've put a lot of work into them. So they've run really well now uh, to be very competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, uh, we do a lot of direct mail. We do a ton of SMS, like a lot of SMS. So for yeah. context for these guys, how much is a lot in SMS? Uh, I mean, we'll drop like 40,000 SMS a week. Yeah. Um, and then we're, we're actually ramping that up right now so yeah it's just that we're trying to bring more VAs on it as quickly as we can at this point to do and more and more. same thing nationwide nationwide yep so I'll pull a list of counties you know load them up uh, into we're using lead Sherpa right now mm-hmm. and just button you know, blast through and we got really good VAs that you know, filter down those leads and, and get us over quality leads into our podia gotcha so I know you talked about you built out systems and places and just right now for me talk just first question comes to mind is, you know, let's just say hypothetically, um, I go to a city where I don't have a lot of contacts. We'll just say some somewhere in the middle of Arkansas, mm-hmm. hypothetically, right? I don't know anybody there, but if I'm doing pay-per-click there, I'm doing SMS there, how am I moving the property? Call the realtors. Like, yeah. <laughs> simple as that. Like that was, cause what ended up happening is I never really wanted to be nationwide. Mm-hmm. I was trying to do deals in Austin and San Antonio, but like I was having a really hard time with my cost per lead and things like that. And I was getting leads organically from all over the United States. And so, you know, after a little while, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to take a crack at one of these like weird leads. So I think it was in like Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. I call this lady, I get it under contract and I'm like, well, what am I going to do with it now? 
So the only thing I knew how to do at this time, this is like 2015, 2016, was like, I'm just gonna start calling all the realtors mm -hmm. and see if they got, you know, if they know any investors that are looking for off-market investment deals. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we do to this, this very day. Yeah, simple. simple. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't overcomplicate it. I mean, you know, we we have other ways too that are more sophisticated. You know, different Facebook strategies and um, you know, going and buying everybody's cash buyers list mm -hmm. that has a cash buyers list available. You know, if you guys got a cash buyers list, call me because I'll probably buy it. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it's super simple. Yeah, I mean those those realtors are going to have the you know doctors and lawyers that are going to pay higher a lot of times mm -hmm. too that are buying one or two deals a year. You'd be surprised. All right. Yeah, deals that I wouldn't think will move will move because we'll go through a realtor who, who has somebody like a pocket buyer. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. uh, what were some of your early challenges? You know, like you 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 quit. You've got your savings, right? 2017, you quit. Mm -hmm. You're all in. What were some of your challenges when you first started? Yeah, I mean, when I first started, like full time, mm -hmm. uh, it's very scary. Like when you quit a full time job, I was making two hundred twenty thousand dollars a year at Indeed. Really? Yeah. That's a tough job to quit. I, no, it wasn't. Income. No, because no? I couldn't have a boss. It was killing me. <laughs> it's just you know, I, you, the the money didn't make up for you know the freedom. So, yeah. um, you know, it was like you're 100 percent betting on yourself, which mm -hmm. I was confident in my ability. But you know, I knew that failure wasn't an option at this point. Mm -hmm. You know, I already had like you know, built my way up in Austin a little bit, kind of like out of the primordial ooze of being like broke, and I did not want to go back there. Yeah. So, um, you know. That um, that fear probably lasted for like you know six months. Like mm -hmm. if anybody you know that's listening right now has a corporate job and they're about to quit, know that you're going to be scared shitless probably for like six months. Mm -hmm. But you'll be all right. Yeah. You know, just get up every morning, show up to work, and do the best you can, and and that will go away after a while. That fear subsides. Uh, so one of the things that I, I wanted to you know emphasize on for the show was putting the right people in the right seats, right? So we talked about Indie, it's a pay-per-click. Uh, one trick that uh, I remember you, you saying, like, you know, just bet 15 cents mm -hmm. a click to maximize your budget. So you've set up the campaigns in Indeed. Uh, what were this, um, you want to go over, like, some of the things you did for the titles to, to, to make sure that you got you hit everybody? Absolutely. So the one thing that you need to understand about Indeed is – couple major key points is that it's a search engine just like Google is. So if you don't have a keyword rich uh, title or keyword rich job description, it's not going to know where to put you. So it's trying to pair up whatever the job seekers typing into the search bar. Mm -hmm. So if somebody types in brain surgeon, your acquisitions job should not appear in front of them. <laughs> yeah. Right. But if somebody types sales, as long as you've put, you know, sales professional or, you know, any, all these sales buzzwords in your job description mm -hmm. and your job title, you're going to show up in front of them. So whenever you post a job on Indeed, it ages out based on time. So, you know, as new employers keep posting sales job, your job's going to get pushed further and further in the back of the search results. Almost kind of like Craigslist. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just like Craigslist. Um, but there's a couple ways to get around that. You know, one is by sponsoring your jobs. Mm -hmm. So when you sponsor your jobs, you know, indeed they're going to want to have you, you sponsor your jobs at a, you know, on a simple budget. Don't do that. So you can rewind this if you need to, cause I'm going to go through this real quick is you're going to you know, sponsor your job on an advanced budget and you're going to set the CPCs at 15 cents. So that's the lowest that the, um, that indeed will let you put your CPCs down to. Yeah. So what that's going to allow you to do is two things. You're going to get a spot in the, uh, 
in the sponsored section at the top of the search results, also a spot in the organic section. But then it's it's going to do that, but it's all which gets you more traffic. But then it's also going to allow you to fly under the radar uh, of kind of the Indeed you know search quality police. Mm-hmm. So you can do some cool stuff with that. Now, if anybody from Indeed's listening to this right now, uh, it's probably not going to be good. They're going <laughs> to shut this trick down. Uh, but you know, I'll just tell you because it, it, it's it's good as of right now. So. Yeah. Um, sponsor your jobs that way. And then what you're going to need to do is you're going to want to create five other variations of that same exact job post. So mm-hmm. if you're you know, hiring for an acquisition manager, you're going to want five different job titles and five different job descriptions. And you're going to want to post all of them into your, into your account. Right. So um, by doing that, you're going to be dominating the, uh, the search result page. And everybody that's looking for a sales job is going to be you know, clicking on your ad. So you'll get way more traffic by doing that. So remember, this is a like a leads business, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to generate as much traffic as you can to your, your position so you get as many qualified candidates to start interviewing right away. Yeah. And I was so excited when you were talking about this in Houston, because, you know, I'm a total nerd. I did all my own pay-per-click campaigns, right? I did all my Google um, pay-per-click optimization on my own. So I'm familiar with like how to you know, create it so that if they search for we buy houses, then only we buy houses shows up. Mm-hmm. And when you said like, I can do this for Indeed too, I was like, why have I not been doing that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, it was super, super uh, obvious once explained, but I would never come up with that. Like, even though I know it works really well over here for Google, for Bing, mm-hmm. never thought I was like, oh, just do the same thing in Indeed. Why wouldn't you? Right, <laughs> right. That's all it does is it tries to pair up what they're, what they're searching for yeah. to whatever's in your job. Right. Yeah. It's crazy how effective it, it is. And I, I've had great luck with it. So now that you got the Indeed ad going, you know, we talked about the um, the funnel, right? This many uh, candidates leads to this many interviews, leads to this many hires. The hiring process, you know, one thing I was really impressed by was, uh, and I kind of give you a hard time about this in Houston, but you basically outsourced your presentation. <laughs> right. <laughs> Leverage wherever you can, right? Yeah. So yeah. like, you know, like, Here's Nick coming to speak about the presentation. Nah, just kidding. We're going to have Aaron and uh, Brandon. And Brandon. Now Aaron and Brandon are going to get this presentation. Right. So you you're, you've been able to uh, replace yourself effectively with good people, but how are you interviewing in such a way that you can replace yourself with quality people versus just another guy that doesn't quite fit in the culture? Yeah, I mean, I'll take you quickly through our hiring process. So yeah, you get all these. Uh, resumes that come in and who likes going through resumes? Nobody, right? <laughs> Absolutely no. nobody. So you need to get that as a business owner, get that off your plate immediately. We, um, you know, we've had, you know, multiple people that'll, that have worked for us that go in on a part-time basis and we'll call these candidates, you know, do a pre you know, phone screen with them before sending them in for an interview. Super important to do that because, uh, that calling and scheduling and all that is a huge time and energy suck. Yeah. So anybody with some common sense, you can have them do that. You know, you you can do it with a VA, but I'd advise not to because this is the first impression of your company. Mm-hmm. You know, I had my sister Alexa doing it when she was in college, and uh, she did a great job at it. You know, Brandon, his mom's doing it for us right now. So you know, you could have a spouse, anybody that's got you know some part time hours that wants to screen through these resumes can mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. And so once they found, you know what you're looking for, they're going to schedule them for an interview and just pop a calendar invite in your calendar and attach their resume, a couple quick words why they thought they were a good candidate. And then people are just going to start showing up. Yeah. Right. 
And so, you know, when they show up, we've got a three-part interview process. So the first first interview, it's just a preliminary interview in our office. We're, you know, asking all the basic interview questions. You know, well, main question I ask is, why are you here? Yeah. That's the first thing I ask. And then we go through it. We have a ton of, you know, that interview just lasts about straight to the chase. Straight to the chase. That lasts about 15 minutes, the yeah. first interview. Mm -hmm. We can tell within 10 to 15 minutes if they're going to be viable for a second interview. Mm -hmm. And so um, if they are invited back for a second interview, uh, that's actually a practical interview. So what we found is, you know, before we'd have people that would interview awesome and then we'd get them on the phones and then they were duds yeah. and we'd have to fire them real quick. <laughs> So that was super frustrating. So we said, okay, well, the second interview is going to be a practical interview where they're going to need to get on the phones, talk with sellers, mm -hmm. and let's just see how they conversate with people in the pit, you know, with the guys in the office and uh, see if they choke, right? Yeah. So that's what we do. We bring them in. We'll have them call some trash leads and, you know, see how they, see how they do. Yeah. And it's also a good opportunity for them to meet the team, see how they vibe with the team. Um, and you know, we also use that as an opportunity to have them sit down and do all their personality assessments mm. when they're in the office. Yeah. So it's kind of a, a, that second interview is a big interview for whoever, you know, when they're coming back, that's really their make or break yeah. right there. They're gonna have to go and do the phone screen. They're gonna have to do the personality assessments. They're gonna have to buy with the team. And then we usually make them play a game of ping pong too. So just to see how they you know, interact, just something right. social. Well, and I, I love this part about the practical interview because I, I, I'm, an, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm the eternal optimist. Everything is going to work, right? Like everything is a perfect case scenario. And so I've hired so many people like, man, this person's going to change my life. They're going to be incredible. And you see them, you're like, this guy's going to be a rock star. And they're total duds. <laughs> You, you know, and there's no rhyme or reason to it either. Like, there isn't. like I mean, as, if I was betting on horse, I'd put, you know, all my money on this one and then they, you know, they disappoint. Right. So, yeah. you know, that's why I was like, well, we have to you know, start doing this practical interview. And we know with a pretty high degree of confidence after yeah. that, how they're going to be as an employee for the company. And we've also had people that we thought like this probably doesn't have, this person doesn't have a shot, but seems like he really wants a job. Let's give him a shot and they'll crush it. Right. It's just, you just can't predict it. So it's a good thing we don't bet on this. Correct. Yep. Yeah. We'd lose some money. <laughs> but you don't know until you, until you know, right? Right, so exactly. It's better to do that on the second interview and know right away before you make a hiring decision. And then you have to fire them, you know, a couple of weeks in and you're frustrated. You know, it's never fun to get somebody started and then have to pull the plug on them. No, it's terrible. Especially it puts a lot of uh, strain on the administrators too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So um, right now, with you being nationwide, what does your company look like? So right now we're, uh, you know, I'm the CEO of the company and then uh, we have our COO, Brandon. So he oversees acquisitions and dispositions. Mm -hmm. So everybody's reporting reporting to Brandon. Uh, on acquisitions, we have four full-time acquisitions over there. And then on dispositions, we've got a full-time dispositions and a full-time transaction coordinator. Mm. Yep. So. Gotcha. Um, you know, we're, we're growing slow right now. We've, I've fired a bunch of people. So right now we're lean, we're mean, and we've got, you know, really, really good people that are, uh, that are doing a great job. You're really lean to do 30 deals, 30 plus a month. Yes. With just four acquisition guys. Yep. That's Brandon's on the phones too. Okay. So he, he'll pick up, you know, two or three contracts a week himself and yeah. the same with everybody else. Man, that's really impressive. 
All right. So um, one person had a question here. Uh, Dan Prieto, what are you looking for in a sales candidate? Um, so I like to see that they've got commission sales experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I've noticed is like when you're hiring for these people, like, yeah, you'll see a lot of people that come in and they look like the rock stars. They got a lot of great sales experience and like SaaS. If you don't know what SaaS is, that's like, you know, online based, you know, tech companies. Mm-hmm. We get a lot of those candidates in Austin. They fail miserably. Really? Yeah. Don't hire for SaaS. You're looking for people you, uh, that have commission sales experience. Mm-hmm. We want, um, you know, self-starters that are hungry. Uh, obviously we want, um, I mean, that's really it. I mean, it comes down to personality after that point. Right. Yeah. So, you know, we need um, folks that have that internal drive mm-hmm. and have had sales experience before in the past. Yeah. This is not an entry level job. No, it's, it's, it's a tough job. And for you guys that don't know, SaaS is basically software as a, as a subscription. And you're looking like these are the kind of people that sell like um, comparable in our business, right? property managers life insurance or, 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 you know, property insurance, mm-hmm. people that are happy selling things that cost 30 to 40 bucks a month. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the best way to answer this question, I'll tell you the background on some of our top performers. So, you know, like Aaron, he came mm-hmm. from timeshare sales before that, mm-hmm. you know, brutal job, right? Uh, Tyler, he came from, uh, car sales. Um, then, um, Chris, he was in high ticket sales. So he was actually working for like a high ticket sales company selling like courses and things like that. So suit so like, super commission heavy jobs mm-hmm. that it's like eat what you kill yeah you know you have to be seasoned to be working in that environment that's why i say SaaS doesn't work because a lot of times these people from oracle are coming from like a you know high base job super cushy with all kinds of benefits and this is more of like a startup environment <laughs> oh so. yeah this is yeah. eat what you kill i mean you can't describe it any better yeah all right so um we, we kind of hinted on it but like you know how much volume are you doing right now right now i mean 30 35 a month mm-hmm. is where we're at right now like actual actual deals and i know that you're you know you're you're in all these different places but like what what are, where are you doing really well right now uh in terms of ge- geography or in terms of like geography yeah uh well we do really well like in the southeast so you know the uh, louisiana the alabamas florida's texas uh new mexico Oklahoma, all that Southeast stuff is, mm-hmm. is all really hot right now. But yeah, we do a lot up in the Northeast too. I don't like the Northeast very much like New York, you know, Illinois, we still do a lot of transactions up there, but they're attorney states yeah, and they're a pain in the butt. You got transfer taxes, attorneys. So we, that's still a lot of our bread and butter is up there in the Northeast, but mm-hmm. my favorite and what I like the best is down in the, down in the Southeast. Mm. I've heard they're a lot nicer down there too. Yes. You know, I, I heard uh, someone was saying, I was in a mastermind, like, you know, we're, we're in Phoenix and we're exclusively in Phoenix and these people are tired of us. <laughs> they mm-hmm. are tired of us. And it's funny, they, they were talking about, they were calling someone in Alabama. It's like, no, that's not this person, but I hope you find them. <laughs> right. <laughs> M- much totally. different seller down there. They're not going to totally put different. up with that in, in New York. <laughs> <laughs> no, in no. New York, man, they're probably threatening you right. over the phone. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So we talked about you get four acquisitions, uh, one full-time disposition, transaction coordinator. How about virtual assistants? Do you have virtual assistants? We do. So, um, you know, we have uh, virtual assistants on uh, Dispo, and they help out with, you know, pulling lists, finding buyers on Facebook, you know, doing different SMS blasts, Mm -hmm. uh, basically any kind of uh, data mining, which is super important for buyers. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're doing all that. So we have a full-time Dispo VA. And then on um, 
marketing, we have all of our Sherpa VAs. So mm -hmm. they're, you know, on all day, just typing back and forth with people, you yeah. know, texting them until they're a qualified lead mm -hmm. and then passing them over to us. So let's talk about finding, finding buyers on Facebook. What's that about? So, you know, you've got all the major Facebook groups. That's where everybody's hanging out, right? So mm -hmm. it's it's like, how can we go in and find out who the players are and get them to buy our deals? Mm -hmm. So if we, being national, you know, we've got a deal in, let's say, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm going to go to the local, you know, Baton Rouge REI group mm -hmm. and go to the search bar on the left. So on all the Facebook groups, there's a search bar. Mm -hmm. And just type in, you know, um, Baton Rouge or whatever that, you know, city is and find everybody that's posted a deal in there. Yeah. And who do you think those people commenting on those deals are? Buyers. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to look at intent on those messages. We This is what the VA does. Yeah. They're going to look at intent on what those messages are. Like, hey, PM me the details. Or like, they leave their email address mm -hmm. it's because they're interested in purchasing that deal. Yeah. So what's our VA do? He's going to go ahead and copy their profile, send a friend request to them, mm -hmm. and then uh, go back through and send them a, a message. Hey, you know, this is Nick. I just got a deal in Baton Rouge. I'm in Austin. Are you still buying there? Question yeah. mark. And they'll do that to, you know, a hundred people overnight while we're sleeping. <laughs> and then we come, you know, come in in the morning and we got an inbox full of, you know, buyer leads. That we awesome. Start through. So then you got, you've got this list of buyers. What CRM are you using to manage all of them? So we use Podio mm -hmm. exclusively. So in terms of the buyers list, like, cause mm -hmm. we have over 2.9 million buyers in our database. Wow. So there's no real viable storage solution for mm -hmm. that. If anybody knows, reach out to me. I've talked to some pretty smart minds on yeah. trying to get a database to house it and mm -hmm. be able to sort it and you know, filter it effectively. But right now we're using good old fashioned Google Sheets okay. for uh, for buyers and it, it's effective. I mean, it doesn't take us that much longer. You know, we can pull our list pretty quickly. So it's not killing us, but I know there's a better tool out there. I just haven't found it yet. Right. Uh, and then once you've got, like, let's say, we'll go back to that Baton Rouge example, right? You got this property locked up. How are you blasting it? How are you communicating with this large number of buyers? Uh, SMS. Okay. So SMS is going to be the most effective. You know, email, we all know about, you know, email deliverability, email, how it, how that goes. I know a lot of people do email. We still do email, but if you want the 80-20, it's SMS. So we'll SMS them out. And then uh, if they're interested, they're going to call us back. And then we take that conversation and, and go from there. Gotcha. And then you're, you're not the only person that's nationwide. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's lots of guys that are, that are going virtually nationwide. Right. So what would you say sets you apart uh, from from your fellow nationwide virtual wholesalers? I mean, I don't I don't really know any other people that are doing doing the nationwide as much. Mm -hmm. I'd like to network and connect with them. Yeah. I don't know any of them personally. Gotcha. So um, I don't know, man. I've just been showing up to work every day and trying to trying to get better every day. I don't know if there's anything that I'm doing differently or better than anybody else. Yeah. Um, you know, we're just we're just showing up every day and working. Very cool. Very cool. Um, and Chris Jackson says that sellers in South would just give you the damn house. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, all right. So, uh, so Prieto had a follow up. So how many phone calls, contacts, talk time is each of your salespeople required for each day? So 50 calls a day is the minimum on the call requirements. Mm -hmm. uh, and then hour and a half of talk time mm -hmm. is also minimum on there too for acquisitions. On uh, Dispo, we don't really metric them like that because mm -hmm. it's there's a lot of communication that goes back and forth on email and um 
we're not giving them call metrics, but we are monitoring their activity pretty heavily on dispositions as well. Gotcha. Now, your KPIs, what are they like, you know, for, for your business? What are some that are different than everyone else, would you say? KPIs that are different than us? Yeah, um, yeah doing for the virtual. Yeah, I mean, when you're doing virtual, you got to know, like, there's going to be fallout, right? So mm -hmm. if you're doing deals here in Phoenix, which you are, like, you got a huge conversion. Once it's under contract, it's probably it's pretty much done. You, yeah, you, you can start spending the money, right? Yeah. That's not how it is nationwide. So, yeah. you know, I know Rafael uh, you know, Vargas, he's taught me this. It's one out of every two contracts is yeah, going to turn into a deal. Yeah, he said that when we were in, 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 uh, in Houston, and it blew my mind. It's true. It's 100% true. Yep. So whenever you're doing this over the phone uh, and you're dealing with virtual, mm -hmm. uh, there's so many variables that go into the back end of the transaction yeah. that it's 50%. And wow. it's translated for us. You know, we've we've looked at it and we keep it. We actually track this on Plecto and mm -hmm. we look at this on a you know, daily, weekly basis. And it's it's one out of two. Yeah. Is that actually closes on contracts. Uh, so for these guys that are listening to the show, they, that may not be familiar with Plecto. You want to talk about what that is? Yeah, Plecto is just a uh, data visualization tool that you can use to um, visualize your KPI. So, you know, you guys were asking about like talk time and dials. You could actually connect Plecto to your call rail and see up on the screen, you know, how many dials does this rep have? How much talk time do they mm -hmm. have, et cetera? Who's the leader on the team? So we do it on acquisitions and dispositions. We've got a bunch of other cool boards built out too, but you know, like my favorite one, I know that's the most common is the acquisitions board. Mm -hmm. So it shows, you know, each acquisition rep, how much money they've gotten assigned revenue, how much money they have in unassigned revenue, where they're at for the month, and then it leaderboards them too. Yeah. So they're all super competitive. You know, these are all like awesome sales guys. So right. they're all talking, you know, shit to each other, trying to get to the top of the leaderboard, and yeah. it helps keep everybody accountable and moving right. in the same direction. And you, we have goals on there for the month. So uh, definitely check it out if you guys haven't uh, seen Plecto before. It, it helps out if you got a an office. Uh, one thing that we talked about offline as well is you're competitive. Uh, you were competing in a physique <laughs> competition. What is that? Yeah, so um, you know, back when I was in Virginia, uh, I did. Uh, I was nationally qualified, you know, in NPC men's physique. So, yeah, I was in the gym all the time. I started my career off as a personal trainer. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't, didn't have the grades to make it into college. My mom told me not to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was like, uh, she was like, "What do you want to do? I was I like, love be a personal son, trainer." She was like, "For you, yeah, you're not going to college." <laughs> so, I was a personal trainer. Uh, yeah, I played sports in high school. So, you know, after high school, I just started. You know, I was working out all the time, being a personal mm -hmm. trainer in the gym, twelve hours a day. And then I had a buddy. I was like, "Hey, you should compete." And so I was like, "All right." So, you know, started doing the diet, and you know, I competed in my first show probably like seven or eight years ago. Yeah, and I first show I got like second place so they you know qualified really me good. nationally yep and then I uh, kind of kept going from there and then it became too much of a commitment like once I moved to Austin I was hustling trying to get this business going I let that go by the wayside yeah. but yeah that discipline and you know, focus into that has definitely translated into to business well that's what I want to talk about you know like being some someone that's competing at a high level in one field can definitely translate when you're trying to move into another industry. So what were some of the biggest things that have helped you go from competitive, um, I don't know, bodybuilder is the right word? Yeah, that's From fine. that to, you know, wholesaling. 
Yeah, I mean, you you know, you go in the gym every. You have to go there every single day. It's just like work, right? Mm -hmm. Like you got to go every single day, even it's if you're. Yeah, even if you're jacked and you look great, you still got to show up every single day yeah. and keep putting the work in and keep getting better. Like perfection is you're never going to get to perfection. So you can always continue to get better. Mm -hmm. But that consistency and daily focus uh, is necessary in business. Like you look at Arnold Schwarzenegger, who started off as a bodybuilder, then went, you know, was the highest paid actor of all time, and then was the governor, right? Like, mm -hmm. and he directly attributes like, you know, bodybuilding and the principles of bodybuilding to being you know, successful in those other fields. Mm -hmm. And it's absolutely true. You've got to, um, you know, be uh, not only consistent, you have to work work your butt off and um you know you can't you can't slack so there's just uh fundamentals you learn from going to the gym every day and competing yeah. and yeah so one of the things i love to see on a resume is debt collection if you're a debt collector you're gonna do great in this business should i add bodybuilder <laughs> yeah that? you know sports you know you asked me earlier what were some things that i look for mm -hmm. i kind of uh you know, airheaded out on it, but sports is, is huge sports, mm -hmm. bodybuilding, uh, any kind of like competitive, uh, nature or sport or field, uh, will bode well. You want people with that competitive edge. You know, it's funny. I've, I've hired multiple athletes that were D one athletes. I have to, that have not translated. Well, I thought for sure, like if you're a D one athlete, you should have what it takes. Were they a good D1 athlete, though? <laughs> yeah. I guess I should attract that, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, guys, please ask your questions. Uh, Solution Services wants to know, what does your SMS message say? For buyers, it just says, hey, just got an off-market property in whatever city. You need to move it ASAP. Give me a call when you get a sec. Mm. Pretty simple. What it's, about for sellers? Uh, for sellers, I don't know. There's so many different variations of openings and you got to continually switch it up mm -hmm. and I don't even really get in there. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> You'd have to have to reach out to, to Brandon or somebody else to let you know. Right. Um, and then Lynn wants to know, how are you doing comps in non-disclosure states? I mean, you look at Zillow sold, it's still got all the sold data on it. We're in Texas, non-disclosure state, uh, Propelio, Zillow sold, prop stream. Um, those are the three main tools that we use. Gotcha. Uh, and Jasmine Green wants to know, are you getting pictures of the properties that you get under contract? Yeah. So we'll have the seller take pictures for us uh, on, on like the wrap up script. Mm -hmm. You know, once they do the DocuSign, Hey, so next step in the process, our transaction coordinator is going to be reaching out to you. She's going to go ahead and request some pictures. So if you can go ahead and take those now and then get them over to her, that'll help speed the process up on the back end. You know, she'll be reaching out to introduce herself in the next 24 hours. But yeah. uh, if you're at the house now, go ahead and take those pictures. And then I'm going to give you the email address to email them over to. Awesome. Yep. Um, and then, this could be, uh, I could just be naive here. Do you know what BOTG is? Boots on the ground. There you go. Yes. Who are your boots on the ground? Nobody. We don't use boots on the ground. Yeah. No, nah, that's, that'll slow you down. Like that whole boots on the ground uh, philosophy, I don't really subscribe okay. to so it because let's, we're wholesaling. So. so let's, what is your philosophy? Is like, you mean just no boots on the ground. So like, how are you, um, how are you different then? Or what are you doing differently if you don't have boots on the ground? Yeah, we're just getting them under contract, mm -hmm. getting pictures from the sellers, <clears throat> reaching out to the buyers. We tell the we tell the sellers like, hey, our local partners are going to come out there to verify that you know property condition matches the pictures. Mm -hmm. You know, after they verify the asset, then we'll go ahead and go to closing at that point. Gotcha. So we're sending the buyers in as our partners 
which smooths over that whole issue with the sellers. Gotcha. Uh, and Stratton Brown wants to know, how has the telephony system worked out for the amount of leads your people can handle? Do you, do you have any telephone? Oh issues? yeah. So we're using smartphone IO now. It's a, it's a dialer that integrates with Podio. So mm -hmm. I know a lot of people use Zen call and they're integrating that with their Podio now. Great. But the API is just like super complex. There's a lot of backend stuff that doesn't play nice. And I didn't want to go through the hassle of mm -hmm. setting up Zen call because there wasn't any inherent benefits. So we decided to use smartphone. IO and it's been excellent. Like the amount of leads they're able to churn through is crazy and it can pull custom lists from your podio. So, mm -hmm. you know, like right now, you know, let's say I know Aaron, he's got like 61 no contacts, which means people that he hasn't been able to get in touch with in his book. Mm -hmm. He can go to smartphone, create a campaign for no contacts. It's going to pull all those leads in and then he can hit play and it's just going to crank through all those people that he hasn't been able to get in touch with this in, in his book. Mm -hmm. You have like 61 people in like 10 minutes. Yeah. And if somebody picks up, it'll pause the campaign. Uh, it's pretty high speed. So yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. We just switched, uh, we just added a uh, smartphone to our portfolio. Uh, Alexa wants to know what are the best words of advice to those just starting out, uh, just starting this business. Uh, best words of advice is don't under un do not underestimate the amount of sacrifice that you're going to have to go through and the amount of pain you're going to have to go through. I'm just going to tell you straight up, yeah. like you better have some thick skin and um, you know, know that you're going to fail. Like I said, it took me 11 months to get my first deal, and like yeah, the amount of heartbreak and pain and everything is is real. This is this is business, right? Yeah. I don't care what business you get into, whether it's real estate or or selling iPhones, you know, for yourself you're gonna to have to go through a lot of um, your know, trials and tribulations. So you know, if you know that going in, um, you can you know, mitigate the, the failure rate because yeah. you're never, you know, you're always getting better as long as you learn, right? Yeah. So, and um, I love that because you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And like you'll so many times feel like, I finally got that first deal. And then something will blow up that you've never heard of and that's just the way it is. It still happens to me to this day. Yeah, you know? we're still yeah. learning today. Yeah. Yeah, we're dealing with a situation right now that we didn't know that's how it works. And so actually our buddy Jared Vidalis is kind of coaching us through that, that situation right now. Um, all right, so let's see what else is there. Simon Gwen wants to know title. Do you know what title company to use in other states? So there's a couple of nationwide title companies that I recommend. Uh, Clothesline Settlements, they're good in the majority of the states. Uh, also, there's another company called CLI. Those are our two title companies. We're using CLI a little bit heavier now, mm -hmm. just because Clothesline, we inundated them with business and I've referred a lot of people over to them. So don't expect communication to be very prompt mm -hmm. uh, all the time, but they're they're good as well. They're investor friendly and uh, they're called Clothesline Settlements. They're out of Rockville, Texas or CLI. They're also, I think they're in, or not Rock, Rockville, Maryland. Mm -hmm. And then uh, CLI is in Bethesda, Maryland but they, they're nationwide title. Gotcha, and Arnold wants to know, where did you get your customized shirt? Uh, this, is from, uh, this is from Ryan at TRG Homes, so mm -hmm. he hooked it up. I know if, he, uh, if you uh, hit him up on Instagram, he might, he might send you one, so. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all right, so Dylan wants to know, current trying to get a virtual deal, He's made 21,000 calls so far and contacted 1928, also doing RVM and SMS without a deal. Any tips? is doing RVM and SMS without a deal. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it comes down to volume because like it takes a lot of RVM and a lot of SMS. So I'll just be, I'll give you some of our KPIs on RVM. It's like 23 to $2,400 a deal mm -hmm. on RVM. Uh, 
and then on SMS, That's pretty low for RVM. Pretty low. Pretty low from what numbers I'm hearing. Like I'm hearing most people saying RVM doesn't work for them anymore. So that's really good. Yeah, I mean we've yeah you know, we've had to experiment around yeah. what we're doing right now. It's about twenty three twenty four hundred dollars. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, um, and then SMS. You know, it's you're going to have to go through a lot of uh, a lot of sellers to get get to it because you know these leads are not like PPC where you're going to get on the phone and like you know, shut these people down and get them to sell their house to mm -hmm. you. Uh, they take more nurture. It's kind of like a direct mail lead. Right, mm -hmm. RVM and SMS are like direct mail. You're like, even though they're reaching back out to you and showing intent, um, your sales cycle on them isn't going to be overnight. So those leads that you've already talked to need to be followed up. Right. You know. So don't throw those leads away. You need to continue to follow up. Some of them will pop. It's a 90 day cycle. Same thing with cold calling. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, the amount of people that are going to cl uh, close on the first call on cold calling, very low. No. So you're yeah. looking at 90 days. So don't get discouraged on it. Just keep following up with those leads. Uh, Evander Livingston wants to know, who should be your first hire after going from a one-man show? Acquisitions. So uh, you need to get somebody to you know, get on the phones, start working right beside you, mm -hmm. and taking those inbound seller calls, or, you know, making outbound seller calls, whatever, talking to sellers all day long. Yeah. What that's going to do is allow you to talk to more sellers if you're going to continue to do acquisitions, which I think you should in the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, but it'll also give you some bandwidth to work on dispositions, you know, setting up marketing, um, and you know, doing other things, you know, bringing on additional hires and, and things like that. So gotcha. acquisitions. Uh, Matt Smith's got a question. Uh, so you get your buyers from realtors. How much commission are you paying them, or is it a set fee? We just tell them to tack your fee on top. Makes total sense. Um, and then Iris wants to know, is there anything you would have done differently in the beginning to cut down on the time to get your first deal? Yeah, I would have got a coach a lot faster. I try to put myself through YouTube University and piecemeal everything together, Yeah, you know, watching everybody's videos. And I was like, man, I'm smart enough. Like I can figure this out. I can mm -hmm. put it all together. But I've seen, I, like, I punish myself by doing it that way. Like if, if I had to go back to day one, like, I would have just took that five grand I had, probably given it to Sean Terry, you know, because this is back in 2014. He's, yeah. you know, he was one of my major mentors. He was the one that got me out of my nine to five. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I should have used a mentor right away yeah. rather than you know, trying to piecemeal everything to myself off YouTube and free content from Facebook. Right, 100%. And man, who knows how many people Sean Terry has helped? Can't even imagine what that number is. He's the godfather, man. Godfather, yeah. for sure. Uh, all right, so you know we talked about multi-million, right? So like two, two and a half million coming in. Um, and there's a question I hope you don't mind me asking, but like, you know, what do you get to keep out of that? Because you hear a lot of these guys talking about doing massive numbers of deals and mm -hmm. you know this much revenue, but no one really talks about what you bring home, which is I would argue the most important number. No, I mean yeah, a hundred percent. It's you know Brad Chandler came in my office last week and gave me a good butt kicking on yeah. you know that's great you're doing a lot of top line but what's your bottom line at mm -hmm. so we're running at 21 percent profitability margin as of last quarter which we should be in this business 30 to 40 percent mm -hmm. you know it's okay right now because i'm redlining my business to scale it up mm -hmm. so i'm dumping more money into systems and people and payroll and marketing and you know a lot of one-time expenses that come along with that stuff so that's going up mm -hmm. but right now like last quarter q3 is 21 percent. yeah yeah you know, it's funny. That's who I was going to suggest. Brad Chandler. 
when you're saying like I don't know a lot of other guys who are doing well nat- nationwide. He's one of them. Yep, he was. He came in. He came down to Austin and hung out with us last week. That's we had cool. a lot of fun. Yeah, awesome, awesome. All right. So, um, are there any you know tool systems that it's like, man, you guys that are listening right now, you guys need to use these tools. Any recommendations? In terms of tools, um, you know, Call Rail, Podia. Those are going to be you know, your fundamental tools. On yeah. top of that, you're going to want to be um, having a solid way to comp deal. So. You know, PropStream is really powerful right now if you're not using that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's worth the subscription cost. Obviously, DocuSign, you know, basic tools to run your business. I think, you know, outside of that, um, you start to get, it, it gets convoluted. It depends on what path you really want to take right. in your business and why. But those are the fundamental tools that I would suggest if you're getting started. Gotcha. And what is your why? My why is Forbes 400. So, yeah. Forbes 400? Yep. Not 100? We'll go 100, but right now Forbes 400. No, I'm just, <laughs> no, my why is, you know, I want to have uh, enough time and options mm-hmm. to do whatever I want, when I want, with the people I want to do it with. Yeah. So, you know, I was always kind of a rebel growing up. I didn't like authority. So <laughs> I'm still kind of the same way. I want to do what I want, when I want to do it, yeah. with the people I want to do it with, and I don't want anybody to tell me otherwise. Oh, I love it, right? I mean, that's the reason why we all got into this business. And I think a lot of us forget that's why we got into this business because we eventually become a slave to the business. Right, Yeah. right. And I don't mind working a lot, especially to get there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and end goal and why is to have that ultimate freedom. Yeah, but you could do that today, couldn't you? I mean, they're back in Austin crushing it right now. They're already <laughs> bringing in contracts, so I could. I, I've, talked about, you know, like just getting a robot that can you know, drive around in the office and I probably wouldn't even have to be there. Yeah. Uh, but no, I've got really good people. So, you know, if you are scaling up a business and you pick really good people, that's the nice thing is it, it gets you freedom. Yep. 100%. What is your biggest struggle right now? Uh, biggest struggle right now is um, being able to increase my um, headcount without decreasing my profitability because there's a learning curve to when you bring people on, there's like a 90 day cycle and I want to grow, I want to grow and we've got leads coming in and I don't want to scale back marketing. Mm-hmm. So I'm hiring people, but I'm trying to be very strategic in my hiring. You know, um, you have five year vision. I don't see why this can't be you know, 200 person organization uh, if if we do it smart. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just kind of keeping myself uh, in check and not doing anything dumb like going out and hiring 20 people at one time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's something that's funny that happens in real estate where, you know, we go into this mode of scaling and we start bringing in all these people. And all that does is just makes your profitability goes down yeah. and adds more stress. I had to go fire a bunch of people for that reason. Yeah. So, you know, that's the balance, right? Is you have to you have to keep a balanced approach to scaling your business. You mm-hmm. can't just go, you know, inorganically start adding bodies to your business and think if you just dump a bunch of money and a dump a, a, a bunch of people into your, your office, it's gonna translate into money in your bank account. It doesn't yeah. work out that way. It would be great if it was. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I go get a big line of credit and just say, let's go. Um, and then Alex wants to know, what SMS platform are you using? So on uh, dispositions, we're using TextMagic right now. I know Steve, he's got a really good recommendation with Slingshot, we may try that. Um, you know, We've used a ton of other platforms, Right now, Text Magic is doing the job. Deliverability is good on yep. Text Magic. Um, and then Dylan wants to know what are the main lists that you are targeting? 
the main list that we're targeting is just mm -hmm. high equity. You know, same thing really everybody else is targeting because when you're doing so much volumes like on SMS and RVM, it's hard to get data, right? There's not so enough you, data out there. Like I've already pulled all the niche list and run through them. So yep. yeah, now we're just blanketing in high equity. Uh, Stratton Brown wants to know, what's the best advice for building a great company culture? Um, give them alcohol. <laughs> I, I, it's, no, not, in all, all reality, it's uh, giving them the, the vision and the you know, core values up front, showing them you know, where we want to go painting a picture mm -hmm. and how you know, we're all going to grow together yeah. is extremely important. So everybody is rowing in the same direction all the time. You know, we've got uh, really, really good people in the office. They're cool. Like whenever you're hiring somebody, remember you're hiring a family member. Mm -hmm. So you got to make sure you want to hang out with this person 40 hours a week too. Yeah. So everybody gets along really good. Make sure you hire people that uh, are not only going to be do a great job, but are also going to be a good culture fit yeah. for you, like as an operator, and you're going to want to be around them. A couple other quick tips is uh, music. You know, music is very important, especially in sales. Like you got to stay energetic all day long. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're in there. You know, with the music up every single day, we keep the AC down, stay awake, drink a lot of caffeine during the day. <laughs> um, you know, it's a high energy sales environment. Ping pong table. You know, we do happy hours and. Uh, team outings and things like that. So all that you know helps promote the company culture and moves us, keeps us going in the right direction. I love it. Uh, what is your superpower? Uh, superpower is, um, you know, I just don't give up. Yeah, I think that's the, the main thing is just I'm, relentless. I'm just relentless. Like if I want something, like you're gonna have to kill me to not get it. That's yeah. really my. I think my only superpower is I'm not smart. I barely made it through high school. Um, you know, I've not like super good on like SATs or test taking. Mm -hmm. uh, it just comes down to like, you know, if I set a target for myself, I'm just going to relentlessly chase it down. And I know how to take a punch in the mouth. I know how to fall down seven times and get back up eight. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really it. Like, I'm not scared of failure. I'm going to, you know, I'll run into a brick wall over and over again until I get through it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, Francisco wants to know, um, how would you go about finding a mentor? And maybe not for you in your in your stage right now, but in your beginning stages, how would you find a mentor? You're gonna to want to find somebody that already has the things that you want to have mm -hmm. for yourself. So not all mentors are created equal, right? So you have to find somebody that uh, has your same core values. You know, they have the life that you want to have, and make sure that they're actually doing deals. Yeah. So <laughs> you don't. It's sad want, that we have to add that, doesn't it? Unfortunately. So <laughs> there's a lot of good ones out there, but there's a lot of ones that you know you're gonna want to do your research on before spending your money. Right. Yeah. And it's funny, like there's things you can you can find out just by googling googling their name. If you just Google their name, there will be things that you will read that will surprise you. Exactly. Um, what is the greatest lesson that you have learned? Um, greatest lesson that I've ever learned, I think, is probably from from my mom. She said half the battle is just showing up, right? So super simple advice, but show up every single day. Mm -hmm. You know, I still go to work every single day. I probably go to work every single day until you know, until I'm 80 years old. Yeah. You know, my grandfather's multi multi millionaire. He still shows up to work every single day. Yeah. You know, so um, you know, half the battle is just showing up and being consistent. Even if you don't know what to do, go to work and show up and figure it out. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, like I said earlier, you know, the reason why I wanted you on the show is that you're talking about scaling, hiring and so on. And this is 
the last, I think one of the last steps, right, to growing a business and scaling. You know, we talk about how to find your first seller, how to how to market, how to get in the living room, how to close. There's lots of things, but I think you know, having the culture and building people up, like that's like the last. I think one of like the last stages, at least what I found so far. You know, like that's the last piece of the puzzle where life just starts getting a little easier. Mm-hmm. How did you build out what you have? How did you learn those things? What resources could someone go find to become a better leader, better business owner, better entrepreneur? You know, I never really took like a leadership mm-hmm. class. I've just modeled people that have already, you know, had successful businesses mm-hmm. before and watched how they, you know, conducted themselves in front of their employees. And, um, you know, really I just treat people the way I want to be treated. So, mm-hmm. you know, my employees, they don't work for me, they work with me. And we're all moving in the same direction. And I just try to, you know, be the best I possibly can for them, make sure that they're getting paid, you know, ask them how they're doing, mm-hmm. pour into them. And you know, if you do that, and you've got the right people. They're gonna they're gonna take good care of you. Oh, I love it. So I want to leave you with a. Th- uh, I want you to leave the listeners with one last thought. I'm gonna make a few quick announcements. So think about what you want to leave the listeners with. Uh, guys, we're only two, three weeks away, three weeks away uh, from New Orleans with Chris Roots Skillathon, December sixth through eighth. If you guys want to check that out, go to bitly slash two zero one nine skill. Um, and then Max and I were. Uh, doing our workshop January 10th through 12th, that's two and a half days. We're gonna go over everything in our business, how we're doing four to seven deals a month in Phoenix, I argue one of the toughest markets in the country. So if you wanna make 2020 your year, go to disruptors.com to see if the workshop makes sense for you. That's D-I-S-R-U-P-T-O-R-S. And then this coming Friday, we got Kyle Wiloch, another guy in Phoenix that's doing a lot of deals quietly. And then in two weeks, we got Ryan Shalaba, coming in from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He's gonna talk about how he built his uh, uh, flipping operation. I had got a chance to meet him in a mastermind and what he's doing in Pittsburgh is just crazy. So with that, last thoughts. Last thoughts is uh, you don't be afraid to fail and scare money don't make any money. And remember success is not like a, like a stock chart. It goes up, you're gonna fail. Whatever you decide to do, you're gonna fail horribly probably the first time you're going to go through a minute of self-loathing and you get out of that real quick and you figure out what you did wrong then you make another plan and you're probably going to fail again Mm -hmm. and it's just this perpetual loop but remember uh success is a perpetual series of loops going upwards yeah yeah so you're going to fail forward and you're going to learn and then you're going to try again and you're probably going to fail again Mm -hmm. and it's just going to keep going like that yeah you know forever and ever but as long as you use use it learn from it get back on the horse and try again you're gonna be all right i love it so if someone wants to get a hold of you how do they do that uh just find me on instagram at nick perry rei uh it's probably the best way to get in touch with me you're happy to help happy to you know talk to you guys if you need any help with your business awesome thank you very much thank you guys for watching and thank you this is a lot of fun awesome